0: Welcome to the QI chat room. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transition to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. This episode is the fourth in our series of COVID-19-focused sessions. The goal of these sessions is to share information with health centers that can make this challenging time a little bit easier. Today we're joined by three health centers in Sonoma County, And one in Marin County to talk about the homeless response during COVID. Each of our four guests will talk about their unique perspective on homeless outreach programs and policies at the health center, county, and state level. I'll turn it over to the group to introduce themselves and tell us how they're involved in this work. We'll start with the three Sonoma County Health Centers.
1: My name is Benjamin Leroy and I'm the Special Population Programs Director at Santa Rosa Community Health one of my job duties is to uh, help direct our, our policy and operations for our Health Care for the Homeless Program.
2: This is Annie Nicol, I'm Director of Homeless Services with the Petaluma Health Center and we're an F2HC. And my part in this operation is I run a um, homeless clinic at the Mary Isaac Shelter in Petaluma. And I am sort of up to my eyeballs involved in homeless uh, situations, problems, and hopefully, offering some help along the way. This is Linnea Cyverlich Wheeler.
3: Um, I'm one of the SS assist- Directors of Behavioral Health over at West County Health Centers. Um, and part of my role is to manage the program um, around healthcare for the homeless services. Um, and I'm also on the Clinician Steering Committee for the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council.
4: I'm Mark Shotwell. I'm the executive director at Ritter Center. We're in Marin County and we are a healthcare for the homeless grantee. About 75% of the people we serve have experienced homelessness at some point in their lives.
0: What has the homeless response looked like over the past few months during the COVID crisis? Here's Ben from Santa Rosa Community Health. So at
1: least in Sonoma County, I think uh, the response at least for the general population, has been pretty swift. Um, our health officer issued, um, you know, a stay-at-home order. Uh, I think the day after the other Bay Area counties, based on the first case of community spread. I think maybe the uh, the response for the homeless population specifically has been a little more deliberative. But I think the homeless population has been well protected, based on the the stay-at-home order um, for the whole general population. And it took some time to get sort of the alternate care site and the non congregate shelter site up and running. But now that those have been up and running, I think things are going fairly well. There are some restrictions, particularly for the non congregate shelter at Sonoma state university, that does lead some of our our homeless residents to not want to participate in that and to prefer to to live unsheltered, which is understandable. Um, But I believe as of today, we've got about 50 um, high risk homeless, residents in our non-congregate shelter Mm -hmm. at SSU with some additional folks in motel Mm -hmm. rooms and uh, 20 in trailers at our fairgrounds. So I, I think overall it's been going well, if maybe a little slower than some of us had initially desired.
0: Mark from Ritter Center chimed in to share that in Marin County, there are several motels that have been rented to be able to provide shelter for people that are experiencing homelessness and are vulnerable with significant medical issues
4: also many of the individuals that are housed there are also over 65 that program through Ritter Center we have a whole person care program which is a large housing first effort and about half of the people who are housed in the motel program are in our whole person care program so as a health center we were the first on site providing services and were able to be vocal with the county and other nonprofits in getting things set up to ensure that the services got set up safely with appropriate screening happening for people, access to testing um, when necessary, and that the right personal protective equipment was provided to different staff. I think that's a unique place that the health centers have in helping other homeless providers because as medical providers, we are getting some of the best and most up-to-date information about how to have visits safely and personal protective equipment and other things and so we recognized fairly early on that some of the other providers um, could use some support around education and information in that area so we were able to provide that so at this point I think the program is operating well I think it's important to note that many of us who are housing first advocates feel very strongly about how services are set up and ensuring that services are voluntary and don't have a lot of arbitrary rules and Um, That is not the motel program. The motel program is absolutely a very, very contained environment because it's really a public health intervention to keep people safe. So although there is harm reduction being practiced, um, the bar is not quite as inclusive as it would be in a true housing first effort because we're trying to keep the largest number of people safe. And so that's been challenging. As Ben mentioned, there's people who've chosen not to stay in the motels because of their behavior or been asked to leave. Those have primarily been people who couldn't stay at the motels anyway, and they were being gone for days at a time. And so that really isn't providing them the health they need and then them not staying at the motel enough means that they're exposing other people to risk. So it's been kind of a challenge um, because we have some very vulnerable people who just can't can't make it at the motels and don't have shelter.
2: This is Annie, and I agree with um, the two previous speakers. Uh, We have uh, many of the same challenges Um, My situation is a little bit different in that we are a health center within a shelter and work very closely with that shelter coordinating services. Um, It's a very collaborative model. So um, the biggest challenge was the reduction of the residents due to county direction. We needed to have a distance between all of the beds in the dorm. So we had about 115 residents and that had to be reduced to 56 in a very short period of time. And just to complicate matters, um, our medical director did not want us to physically be at the shelter um, due, to, due to high risk and trying to um, get staff to just mainly work from one site. We have several different sites. So that was that complicated issues as well. So but what ensued was a um, we assisted them with a lot of personal protective equipment, you know, masks, etc. Some of our community members donated masks, a huge cleaning went on and all under this collaborative agreement that we were going to keep people as safe as possible they had a they have a food kitchen there that that's serve not only the residents but also um, the people that are on the street or camping so um set up a to-go a situation to-go boxes and were generously donated by a number of the community restaurants those so to go boxes to keep people safe set up outdoor sanitation stations and a a once a week showering the most difficult part of this was having people that were beyond the dates um, that they were supposed to leave perhaps waiting for housing sort of a massive exit ensued some of those people going to the street but other people finding housing with friends or family um, the trailers that they spoke of uh, motels and eventually their high risk going to the sonoma state uh, campus for uh, that was a 65 and older folks so it's been you know it was a a huge change for the shelter and you know we currently have 17 people at Sonoma State well actually a couple of those are in the trailer um, and continue to continue to send people there that are more at high risk as of yesterday I think there was only 32 people at the shelter so they have room for more and looking to bring people off the street back into the shelter, which is, of course, less restrictive um, than the motel sites, or definitely very less restrictive than the Sonoma State, where you are not allowed to smoke, drink, use pot, or any other type of substance, um, which is very difficult. The the bright side of that, we've had people there that have managed to stay there and, um, and curtail their habit, so particularly around the alcohol. So that is one of the, the good things that have come out of all of this. But I think as a county and with all of our, the FQs um, together and all of the other housing support people, we've managed to um, put something together that I think is pretty amazing in a few months and certainly started more conversation, more collaborative efforts as we do have a shared population.
0: In case you don't know, an FQ refers to a federally qualified health center.
3: This is Linnea, and I agree with, you know, everything that's been said and would like to highlight, again, uh, just the amount of effort that the entire community of homeless service providers has put into collaboration and setting up processes to help keep this important part of our community safe. From the very beginning, a lot of people showed up to to try to figure out what to do, and we we're able to make decisions fairly quickly, which was really wonderful. Um, and in the West County area, our clinic site that provides the homeless services. When we were required to practice social distancing, and remote visits, um, all of our visits shifted to be outdoors. And so we increased our street medicine outreach and our um, collaboration with our local homeless service provider. We were also providing food previously, meals um, for our patients. They could show up, have food, get their medical care. We had to pivot a little bit and rely on our community partners to feed our patients, which is working out well. Um, and then increasing the amount of time that we're spending um, visiting our patients in their encampments throughout the West County area, um, which has also been quite successful. We're able to monitor folks' health, and the initial concerns were the personal protective equipment and making sure that, you know, we had enough and the right kind and all of that, but we were quickly able to make sure that all of that was figured out. And our patients have been really appreciative too of the continued contact, um, especially since mod- mobility has been reduced too with um, public transportation changes and and the you know sporadic rain and things like that.
0: I asked our guests for their thoughts around sustainability of these homeless efforts. As we all know, COVID isn't going away anytime soon. How much longer can these efforts continue? health centers have to consider staff time and funding. What will happen if there are COVID spikes again in the fall, next spring, and beyond? How can we plan for longer-term solutions? Here's Mark.
4: I mean, I think so far everything has been getting talked about in our county when it comes to the homeless response. Um, We also have a a very large rental assistance program for people who are newly affected by COVID-19 where they can't afford to pay their rent because of a lack of income. And this is an effort, obviously, at homeless prevention for people. This program, the, the opportunity to get people inside, um, similar to Linnea, we also have a lot of outreach happening to encampments. Everything's being talked about in an April, May, June time frame right now. And from a public health perspective, we know we're not in an April, May, June time frame anymore but that has to do with the financial resources associated and looking at how the county coffers are gonna get refilled through state and federal uh, monies uh, to come in. So I think that that's a concern that I have for the long haul of continuing these programs as needed. And I think the other side of things is that we've now, throughout California, got many, many more unsheltered, very vulnerable homeless individuals indoors. We've got them sheltered and we're already seeing in the program that's running in Marin County really dramatic changes in people's health positively, Um, a decrease in their use of the emergency systems, which is what we know happens when people get inside and they get the services and support that they need, is that they stop having the emergency needs to go to those settings as often because they're getting the good outpatient support. So I think we have a big job all of us who are on this call and and in this field to ensure that our local and state and federal legislators don't look at this as a short-term intervention. Um, We now know that we have the money to put people inside and get them the services that they need. So how do we sustain that for the long haul? Because the idea that in three months or six months, we're gonna tell a whole bunch of people who've been sheltered for this period of time, getting services, getting healthier, that, well, the worst part of the pandemic is over, so good luck, you're going back to the streets, it's unthinkable. It's, it's not the health thing to do, and it's not the fiscally responsible thing to do. We have one individual yeah. who's in the motel who last year, being unsheltered, cost the managed care plan $250,000 for hospitalizations that he had. He's been in that motel now for 45 days. He has yet to be hospitalized since he's been in that setting because he's got the supports that he needs around him and he's got the low barrier shelter that he needed all along. So how do we sustain that? We look at those cost savings so that we can make sure that we pay for the right thing for people in which they get better, which is a lot less expensive and a lot more humane. Than allowing people to be on the streets and then throwing bad money after good paying for them to go into the hospital and for the police to respond and things like that.
1: I think one of the concerns is you know right now the shelter-in-place orders are really all about flattening the curve which um, prevents hospitals from becoming overwhelmed uh, with COVID patients and that's really um, extraordinarily helpful for the homeless population having these new um, non-congregate shelter options to get indoors whether that be at motels or at other Uh, contracted sites Uh, but once the shelter-in-place orders end because hospitals are no longer in danger of being overwhelmed then our homeless community no longer becomes protected at all and we can see outbreaks in the homeless community Um, and while the hospitals may not be overwhelmed by those patients coming in those patients tend to be older and they tend to have a lot of underlying health conditions that put them at very very high risk uh, for both icu and mortality from covid Uh, So I think those concerns are extraordinarily valid, and I think um, it's incumbent on each county, each region, each state um, to really come up with a plan to help protect those people after the emergency orders are over and these new novel programs that may be reimbursed by FEMA during an emergency, when those funding streams are no longer available, uh, how can we keep people indoors and keep people safe? And I think that's where the conversation that needs to start happening yesterday.
2: Yeah, this is Annie. Yeah, I totally agree with you and whatever um data we can extract from this particular crisis would be um so important moving forward and you know the fact that now we're having some sanctioned camps which um I know I don't know how you feel about that but it is at least it's a place that people can congregate that you can bring services to. And, you know, versus being under a bridge, et cetera, which is so so difficult um, to manage. Um, You know, having Sonoma State there with all of its restrictions actually has given some people an opportunity to work with restrictions that may be helpful moving forward with their lives and keeping them out of the hospital. I don't want to see this thing... Just be dropped. Everybody's done a lot of work, um, so much collaboration and support for each other, Um, and we've done a very good job of protecting the community. I believe from from COVID. You know, I've done um, 34 tests of individuals at the shelter, and have had all negatives more than half of the staff, anybody that's had contact with the, um, with the clients, have all been negative as well. And I don't believe we've had anybody else in our homeless population that has tested positive, maybe you know better than I. That's pretty amazing. You know, that what we're doing now is, is saving lives in a highly vulnerable population. And if we continue to make improvements and get more housing and supply the services that are needed to keep people healthy. Um, I agree. It's going to be a fiscally responsible thing to do and and morally responsible thing to do.
3: I agree that the question of sustainability really comes down to funding uh, because the human resource and program elements are easily sustained, Um, you know, this is the work that we do and we know how to do it. So it really comes down to the, you know, the local investment in terms of keeping a good thing going.
1: Well, I just wanted to go back to because I think the sustainability question, this uh, is Ben, is really, really important. And Mark mentioned a couple of things during his last comments, but um, I just wanted to expand on a little bit. Um, one, he talked about whole person care, uh, which is a, a program throughout California counties um, that is actually funded through a Medicaid waiver um, that allows these California counties that are participating in this pilot to use Medicaid funds for a, a different purpose than um, that they've been used in the past. And it's been really very successful in treating the whole person and really providing multidisciplinary care to folks across different spectrums. Um, it's been phenomenal. But what we really need to build upon that, because Mark also mentioned that these high utilizers are costing Medicaid hundreds of thousands of dollars each year, if not more, based on hospitalizations, ER visits, et cetera. Um, We really need a Medicaid waiver that allows us to use Medicaid funds to pay for housing. That's the easiest way to reduce the medical costs and other costs that these high utilizers are costing our whole public system. Um, And I feel like that's going to be really the holy grail of of homeless funding, particularly for chronically homeless, is to crack that nut of getting Medicaid funds to pay for housing, actually paying for the rents, not just services.
4: I think it's important when we advocate with our legislators about this, you know, the people who are in positions of power where they have to make decisions now about deficits that are getting created as a result of the pandemic we're in and all of the challenges that's that's creating, you know, they're looking at massive budget cuts. You know, there's, if we step outside of our field for a moment, like everybody posts everywhere in the world, how teachers and educators are heroes. And teachers and educators are about to lose their jobs at a mass scale that we've never seen before in the nation, unless there is a fiscal solution for the budget deficit that we have. So when we look at efforts like we're talking about, where we have set up these emergency programs for people that are homeless, some of what we can rely on is that the reality of sheltering people giving them the ability to stay inside and then giving them the intensive services they need. It's not a new idea. It's an idea that is building on all of the foundation of housing first. That is a model that is an evidence-based practice that has been practiced in every state in the country. It's practiced in other countries. It's huge in Canada, entire country of Ireland has adopted housing first. And why have these jurisdictions done this? Because it is the only large-scale interventions for people who are experiencing long-term homelessness and significant psychiatric, medical, substance use disabilities, that has been proven time and time again to reduce homelessness by 85%, to reduce hospitalizations and incarcerations by 85%, Those are the outcomes that we see through this whole person care program I described that Ritter Center is running for Marin County. Um, It's dramatic. In fact, we're exceeding that we have a 90% housing retention for people who have come into this program. And so all of those dollars that aren't spent on the hospital that aren't spent on jail are dollars that can be reinvested in the kinds of services that we need right now. Many experts are saying that the pandemic is likely to cause a 40 to 50% increase in homelessness as a result of people losing their income, not being able to afford to keep a roof over their head. So we can't scale back on what we know works, and we can't scale back on the efforts that we've set up within this emergency. We need to go in the opposite direction. But we can't do that by saying like, hey, you got to pour a bunch of more money into this when everybody's looking at cutting everything to be able to save money. So that's not what we're saying. We're saying that in California, what we know is that through the Mental Health Service Act and the whole person care programs, for every dollar that we've spent on those programs, we've saved the state $5 in other resources that are those Medicaid dollars, that if they don't go to pay for programs like this, they go to pay for the hospitalizations. And that's a very expensive intervention, and people don't overall get better in their lives as a result of having those hospitalizations. So it, it's not, as Annie said, it's not the morally responsible thing to do, and it's not the fiscally responsible thing. So I think that there is an opportunity here to look at programs that actually save the state money as the thing to invest in right now. You know, this is the way in which you will be helping to save the state money at a time where you need to do that. Because if you don't spend it in this way, guaranteed you're gonna spend it five times over on hospitalizing these people, and you can't afford to do that. This is not the time to make those kinds of bad decisions. Um, And it's hard sometimes for people to think into the future when they're looking at a $45 million deficit in the state of California but that's exactly what we need to do. The pandemic isn't going away anytime soon as neither it is homelessness, unless we do the right things.
0: What can health centers do to get involved with homeless initiatives? Either starting something new at their clinic or participating in an existing initiative?
2: Well, I, I know, that, this is Annie. Um, I know Linnea mentioned that she's on the steering committee um, with National Healthcare for the Homeless, thankfully. Um, I was on that committee for six years. so and now I'm on the Respite um, Committee for National Healthcare for the Homeless. But, you know, I would direct any of our FQHCs to the National Healthcare for the Homeless site. There is so much information and so much work being done in, in Washington and across the country with our, um, with our partners who, who support the homeless programs and have so many different innovative ways and, you know, we're not a one-size-fits-all. Um, every community has slight differences. so We have to, we have to think about that, too, and, um, and work with our communities and what their specific barriers are. And uh, because we're, we're not Canada that has tons of, of housing and, and has a national healthcare program, you know, we are state-by-state state quite different and even in our own county, we have different kinds of barriers, uh, geographical and, and other. So we have to look at the unique population and, and figure out ways that where we can collaborate and then also respond to the unique, our unique uh, geographic
1: areas. I think collaboration is really key particularly maybe for smaller health centers that have less resources to bring to bear and you know that's really I know no one wants to go to any more meetings but um, the collaborative meetings that we've had in Sonoma County and when I worked in Marin County were extraordinarily helpful in helping everyone leverage the resources throughout the county Um, just to use one example I'll give West County a shout out, and Linnea can expand on this more. Um, But West County, um, they're very technologically driven. They do a wonderful job with data analysis, and they've created a wonderful online survey tool so that when outreach teams are going out in the community, um, they can do symptom checks for COVID and do heat mapping um, using uh, GIS software, as well as ask all of the survey questions that are required for the non-congregate shelter um, survey tool. And we're able to analyze all that data through a HIPAA compliant dashboard. Um, And Santa Rosa Community Health, even though we didn't develop this in any shape, way, or form, West County was kind enough to invite in all of the partners that are doing homeless outreach in Sonoma County and beyond um, to be able to use this tool. And it's just that kind of uh, collaboration that comes out of close relationships. So the fact that we all meet together at least monthly during COVID, we've been on, I don't even know how many conference calls together multiple (laughs) times every single week, sometimes multiple calls every single day with the county and other stakeholders to try to really coordinate the response to this crisis um, that's really the first step is is get yourself in the room get yourself on the conference calls and uh, and see because people in my experience are extraordinarily willing to help and uh, the the two of the West County created is just one example of that
3: you know the technical assistance that's provided through the National Health Care for the homeless council is really accessible and really draws on you know a nation's worth of expertise um, and then locally too. You know, anytime I meet somebody doing similar work in the county that I haven't met yet, the next effort is how do we make sure that we're all talking to each other so that we can, you know, overcome any local barriers together and, you know, really do good work.
4: I think this part of the conversation that we're having is is so essential to success in working with people who have a lot of complex uh, needs that, when somebody reaches out for help they shouldn't have to try to figure out a complex system that many of us have spent our entire careers trying to understand and when i say a complex system i should say many complex systems right <laughs> similar to uh, what ben and linnea was describing we have a phenomenal level of partnership that's happening in marin county between the nonprofit providers um, some of those are homeless service providers some of those are Health centers, um, <clears throat> with county, um, with the jail system, with the sheriff's department, with local outreach workers for the police, and it's essential that we do that because, as we all know, you know these clients come in and out of all of our programs and all of our system, and often in the past, you know, we're just talking about them within our silo, and we don't know how to really get things done within the other silo, so. We've coined this phrase in Marin County and that we look at ourselves as one agency. And what would it be like if when somebody came and asked for help at any one of our programs, that all of us have the ability to just lean on one another and call one another. And if something's not working for somebody in one agency, we can call just like we were calling one of our colleagues in our organization and say, hey, I heard from such and such that they're upset about what happened over there. Like, what can we do to work together to be able to figure that out? and that level of partnership is really what is making the difference because everybody's looking for the opportunity to help people succeed within our system as a whole and that's what it takes because sometimes they do fall out of one particular program or one particular housing setting But that needs to not be the end of our intervention. It's like, how do we pick them back up? And maybe that was not the right setting for them. And there's a better setting in my organization than yours. So let me give them a shot in mine. And we can't do that unless we're in a tight partnership. And we can't do that if we don't trust one another. And we can't do that if we don't know what the resources are within our different programs. Mm -hmm. And we should never leave that to somebody who's struggling and needs help or the family member, loved one of somebody who's struggling and needs help to try to figure all that out. Because that's just asking people to do what in many cases is impossible and if they do succeed at it, it's a miracle and we should hire them to work for us and teach us how they did it. Um, Because it's really difficult to do. Um, And so, you know, people can get better Um, and we have lots of phenomenal resources in our system. We need to make sure that they're well, well coordinated and that there's lots of communication about what people need.
1: I think it's really important to look at what's worked really well during this COVID response, and at, at least in Sonoma County, um, what's worked really well is having the health centers more involved in, in these placements, and particularly for non-congregate shelter, because um, we tend to be the primary care provider for uh, the residents that are eligible for, for these programs, um, and we have a lot of information to bring to bear about their vulnerability. Um, So as most people know, most counties um, are required by HUD to use a coordinated entry system to kind of decide who gets the next permanent sort of housing placement or rapidly housing placement. Um, And the vulnerability indexes do a really good job to help sort of stratify people based on scores. But it doesn't necessarily, once you get that stratification done, you don't necessarily know who's truly the most vulnerable at that moment in time unless you're looking at current health system data Um, that could come from hospitals and from the patient's primary care provider. And here in Sonoma County, we've really uh, been doing that for every single person going into non-congregate shelter and really helping the county with those placements. And, you know, I know in Marin County, uh, Ritter Center is extraordinarily involved in helping with that, with the coordinated entry system and whole person care there. And I think that's something here in Sonoma County, and we can really learn the lessons from this COVID crisis and have our health system much more involved in the coordinated entry process to ensure that we're really housing the most vulnerable folks um, when their time comes.
2: I totally agree, and um, this has been a, you know a splendid opportunity to have that integrative care between with with health um, centers i mean the it is truly whole person, and a homeless person is a whole person that has multiple needs and um, that means multi you know multiple different interactions with um, with their health providers and community support so we are becoming more integrated and our whole person care program has definitely become more integrated. So it's a great opportunity to grow in that direction.
4: I think if I had one last thing to mention is just Ben was talking about some of the outreach to encampments and there's a strong effort happening now and and of any of the things that feel time limited The current level of outreach to encampments is the one that feels like it's got the fastest fuse on it. Um, Everybody wants to know how soon we can wrap that up so we can clear out the encampments before wildfire season gets here. And um, we absolutely need to not have any more wildfires. We need to do everything in our uh, resource toolkit to, to ensure that that happens. And we need to ensure that people who are homeless and, and don't have anywhere else to be who are in encampments don't accidentally set a fire. But cleaning up encampments and clearing encampments, as we all know, doesn't solve homelessness and it doesn't solve an unsheltered problem and it doesn't solve an encampment problem. It just moves people from one place to another and it's an mm-hmm. expensive effort it spends a lot of resources people lose their belongings people feel displaced people feel disrespected um and we lose ground in the relationship with them every time that we do it so um i don't know if it was annie that mentioned the sanctioned encampments and you know whatever you want to call it uh, it's um obviously sometimes a controversial topic and there's this belief that you know if we, if we start sanctioning things then more people f- who are homeless are going to commute here from Iowa or whatever and become homeless in our counties, too. And um, I know that there's a lot of belief in that, although it's total mythology and it's been proven time and time again that most of the homeless people that are in your county are from your county, 70 percent of them in Marin are from Marin, and 85 percent of them in San Rafael are from San Rafael. So it's, it's not what happens. And we cannot turn a blind eye to the wildfire risk. It's real um it's something that will affect everybody in any of our communities as it has already um and it needs to not happen Um, but what can we do to help with that you know and right now i know when we talk with fire marshals and folks about providing fire extinguishers and doing things you know the idea is now we can't do that because we're kind of co-signing people cooking outside and it's like i hear you and people are cooking outside you know that's just the reality you can co-sign it or not co-sign it it's what's happening Um, and you know if you don't provide them a fire extinguisher you can clean up that encampment and they'll move across county to some other place and they'll set up camp and they'll cook and they'll set a fire to stay warm because that's what they do and it's been proven in some counties that when you provide fire extinguishers people who are homeless put out small fires that don't become large fires so um, I think that there's a lot of work to do to try to educate um, others and I think there are you know The voters in Marin County voted in huge numbers for lots of money to be allocated to clearing the open space. So I know that that's important and I support that effort to keep our community safe. Um, But we need to keep it safe for everybody. So if we sanction an encampment and give some place for people to go, maybe that's not politically popular with some, but it's an alternative to just clearing an encampment and then having to clear it and clear it and clear it over and over and over again people a safe place to be and give them the supports and the services so that they don't have to live there forever
3: yeah I feel like that opens up sort of like in it sort of a next podcast conversation about the the health and mental health implications of clearing encampments and how how instability um, impacts the need for emergency services and sort of unintentionally contributes to the cycle of unstable and not being able to find and keep a place to live.
2: Yep. It's divisive and it makes people angry, hurt and rejected. We need some, we need a different system for sure.
0: A big thank you to today's presenter, participants, and our listeners. I'm your host, Kelly Bond, and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room.